Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. A series of unfortunate events. Book the fourth. You know what chapter we're on? Mm, No. How come you don't know what chapter we're on? Oh, okay. Well, you peaked. How come you had to peek? Because she fell asleep. Oh, okay, but don't turn it on because it's noisy. We're not professionals. Right, Peyton? (laughs) All right. A series of unfortunate events, book the fourth, The Miserable Mill, chapter four. As I'm sure you know, whenever there is a mirror around, it is almost impossible not to take a look at yourself. Even though we all know what we look like, we all just like to look at our own reflections, even to only see how we're doing. As the Baudelaire orphans waited outside the office to meet their new guardian, they looked in a mirror hanging in the hallway, and they saw at once that they were not doing so well. The children looked tired, and they looked hungry. Violet's hair was covered in small pieces of bark. Klaus's glasses were hanging askew, a phrase which means tilted to one side from leaning over logs the entire morning. And there was a small piece of wood stuck in Sonny's four teeth from the reflection, oh, from using them as the debarkers. Behind them, a reflection in the mirror was painted on a shore, which was hanging on the opposite wall, which, was ma- which made them feel worse because seashores always made them remember that terrible day when the three siblings were sent to the beach and soon received the news that Mr. Poe had their, that their par- from Mr. Poe that their parents had died. Or perished. Or perished, that's true. These children stared at their own reflections and stared at the painting of the seashore behind them, and it was almost unbearable to think about everything that had happened to them since that day. If someone had told me, Violet said, that day at the beach, that before long I'd find myself living at Lucky Smell's lumber mill, I would have said they were crazy. If someone had told me, Klaus said, that day at the beach, that before long I'd find my per- I'd find myself pursued by a greedy evil man named Count Olaf, I would have said they were insane. Wara, Sonny said, which meant something along the lines of, if someone had told me that that day at the beach, that before long I'd find myself using my four teeth to scrape bark off trees, I would have said they were... Oh my gosh, these words are hard. Psychoneurologically disturbed. Okay, I guess that wasn't that hard. How would you pronounce that word? Let me see. Psycho. I don't know how to read. Wait, let me see. Okay, try it. Word. Normal word. Word? No, no, let me see, like, a normal word on here. Um. Okay, you're taking way too long. Sorry. Just sound it out. Psycho. Yep, see, can't even. Well, I. You're <laughs> an adult. I know, I could barely even say it, though. Okay. The dismayed orphans looked at their reflection, and their dismayed reflections looked at them back for several moments. 
The Baudelaire stood and pondered the the mysterious way that their lives were going, and they were thinking so hard about that that they had jumped up when somebody spoke. You must be Violet, Klaus, and Sunny. Baudelaire, the somebody said, and the children turned to see a very tall, thin man with short hair. He was wearing a bright blue vest and holding a peach. He smiled and walked towards them, but they frowned as they as he drew closer. Why, you're covered in pieces of bark, he said. I hope you haven't been hanging around the lumber mill. That can be very dangerous for small children. Violet looked at the peach and wondered if she dared ask for a bite. We've been working there all morning. The man frowned. Working there? Klaus paused. Klaus looked at the peach and had to stop himself from grabbing it right out of the man's hand. Yes, he said, and we received your instructions and went right to work. Today was a new day, a new... Today was a new log day. The man scratched his head. Instructions, he asked. What in the world are you talking about? Sunny looked at the peach, and it was all she could do not to leap up and sink her teeth right into it. Molub, she shrieked, which meant something like, we were talking about the type note that told us to go to work at the lumber mill. Well, I don't understand how three people as young as yourselves are put to work in a lumber mill, but please accept my humblest apologies and let me tell you that that will not happen again. Why, your children, for goodness sake, and you will be treated as members of the family. The orphans looked at one another and could, and, oh my God, these dogs. The orphans looked at one another. Could it be that their horrible experience at poultry were just a mistake? So you mean we don't have to debark logs anymore, Violet said? Of course not, said the man. I can't believe that you were even allowed inside. Why, there are some nasty machines in there. I'm going to speak to your new guardian about this immediately. You're not our new guardian, Klaus asked. Oh no, said the man. Forgive me for not introducing myself. My name is Charles, and it is very nice to meet the three of you here at Lucky Smells Lumber Mill. Well, it's very nice to be here, said Violet, as she lied politely. I find it difficult to believe, Charles said, seeing as you've been forced to work in a mill, but let's put that behind us and have a fresh start. Would you care for a peach? They've all had their lunch, came a booming voice as the orphans whirled around and stared at the man that they saw. He was quite short, shorter than Klaus, and dressed in a suit made of very shiny green dark material that made him look like a reptile, more than a reptile than a person. But that made them... That made them stare most at his face, or rather, the cloud of smoke that was covering his face. The man was smoking a cigar, and the smoke from the cigar had covered his entire head. And this cloud of smoke made the Baudelaire children very curious as to what his face really looked like. And you may be curious as well, but you have to take that curiosity to your grave, for I will tell you before we go any further that the Baudelaire's never saw that man's face, and neither did I, and neither will you. Oh, hello, sir, Charles said. I was just meeting the Baudelaire children. Did you know that they had arrived? Of course they knew they arrived. The f- the smoking-faced man said, I'm not an idiot. No, of course not, said Charles. But you were aware that they were put to work in a lumber mill on a new log day, no less? I was just explaining to them that that was a terrible mistake. It wasn't a mistake, said the man. I don't make mistakes, Charles. I'm not an idiot. He turned to the cloud of smoke. He turned so the cloud of smoke faced the children. Hello, Baudelaire orphans. I thought we should lay eyes on one another. Baytex, Sunny shrieked what probably meant, but we're not laying eyes on one another. 
I have no time to talk about that, the man said. I see you've met Charles. He's my partner. We split everything 50-50, which is a good deal, don't you think so? I guess so, said Klaus. I don't know every I don't know much about lumber businesses. Oh, yes, Charles said, of course, I think it's a good deal. Oh, that was Charles. Oh yes, of course I think it's a good deal. Well, said the man, I want to I want to give you three a good deal as well. Now I heard about what happened to your parent, which is really too bad, and I heard about this Count Olaf fellow who sounds like quite a jerk, and those odd-looking people who work with him. So when Mr. Poe gave me a call, I worked out a deal. The deal is this. I will try to make sure that Count Olaf is and his associates never get anywhere near you, and you will work in my lumber mill until you become of age and get all that money. Is that a fair deal? The Baudelaire orphans did not answer this question because it seemed like the answer was obvious. A fair deal, as everyone knows, is when both people give something more or less of equal value. If you were bored with playing with your chemistry set and you gave it to your brother in exchange for his dollhouse, that would offer a fair deal. If someone offered to smuggle me out of the country on her sailboat in exchange for free tickets to an ice show, that would be a fair deal. But working for years in a lumber mill in exchange for the owners trying to keep Count Olaf away is an enormously unfair deal. And the three youngsters knew it. Oh, sir, Charles said, smiling nervously at the Baudelaire's. You can't be serious. A lumber mill is no place for small children to work. Of course it is, said the man. He reached up a hand onto his cloud and scratched an itch somewhere on his face. It will teach them responsibility. It will teach them the value of work. And it will teach them how to make a flat wooden board out of trees. Well, you probably know best, Charles said, shrugging. But we could... But we could read all about those things, Klaus said, and learn about it that way. That is true, sir, Charles said. They could study the li- in the library. They seem very well behaved, and I'm sure that they would cause no trouble. Your library, said the man sharply. What nonsense. Don't listen to Charles, you children. My partner has insisted that we create a library for the employees at the mill, and so I let him. But it is no substitute for hard work. Please, sir, Violet pleaded. At least let our little sister stay out of in the dormitory. She's only a baby. I have offered you a good deal, said the man. As long as you stay within the gates of Lucky Smells Lumber Mill, this Count Olaf will not come near you. In addition, I'm going to give you a place to sleep and a nice hot dinner and a stick of gum for lunch. And all you have to do in return is a few years' work. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Well, it was nice to meet you. Unless you have any questions, I'll be going now. My pizza is getting cold, and if there's anything I hate is a cold lunch. I have a question, Violet said, although the truth of the matter was that she had many questions. Most of them began with the phrase, How can you? How can you force small children to work in a lumber lumber mill was one of sorry, children. To work in a lumber mill was one of them. How can you treat so us so horridly after all we've been through was another? And then there was, how can you pay your employees in coupons instead of money? And how can you only feed us gum for lunch? And how can you stand to have a cloud of smoke covering your face? But none of these seemed like questions that were proper to ask, at least not out loud. So Violet gave her new guardian in his cloud and asked, what's your name? Never mind what my, what my name is, the man said. No one can pronounce it anyways. Just call me sir. I'll show you the door, um, sir, Charles said quickly. Shouldn't they be able to call you 
her dumb dad. I guess, yeah. With a wave of his hand, the owner of the Lucky Smells Lumber Mill was gone. Charles waited nervously for a, mo- for a moment to make sure that Sir was far enough away. Then he landed, leaned into the children and handed them a peach. Never mind what he said about you already having lunch. He said, have this peach. Oh, thank you, said Klaus as he cried and hurriedly divided the peach among himself and his siblings, giving the biggest piece to Sunny because she hadn't, even, she hadn't eaten her gum. The Baudelaire children wolfed down the peach, and under normal circumstances, it would have been polite to eat something. So it would not have been polite to eat something so quickly and so noisily, particularly in front of somebody that they did not know very well. But these circumstances were not normal, so even manners would excuse them for their gobbling. You know, said Charles, because you seem like such nice children, and because you've done, you've worked so very hard today i'm going to do something for you can you guess what it is talk to sir violet said wiping the peach juice off her chin and convince him that we shouldn't work in the lumber mill well no charles admitted that wouldn't do any good he wouldn't listen to me but you're his partner klaus pointed out that doesn't matter charles replied when sir made up his mind he has he has made up his mind i know sometimes i know he sometimes is a bit mean and you'll have to excuse him he has had a terrible childhood. Do you understand? Violet looked at the painting of the seashore. going to give them a horrible childhood. I know. And thought that once again, that dreadful day at the beach. Yes, she sighed. I understand. I'm thinking I'm happy, having a very terrible childhood myself. Well, I know what will make you feel better, said Charles. Or at least a little bit. Let me show you the library before you go back to work. Then you can have a visit when you want. Come on. Come on. It's right down the hall. Charles led the Baudelaire's down the hall away, down the hallway, and even though that they would be back soon at work, even though that they have offered, they have been offered one of the least fair deals a child has ever been offered. The three siblings felt a bit better. Whether it was Uncle Monty's library of reptile books, Aunt Josephine's library of grammar books, or Justice Strauss's library of books, or best of all. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, of Justice Strauss's Book of Laws. I mean, gosh, Library of Law Books. Or best of all, their parents' library of all kinds of books. It burned up, all burned up now. Alas, libraries always made them feel a little bit better. Just knowing that they could they could read made the Baudelaire orphans feel as if they their wretched lives could be a little bit brighter. At the end of the di- at the end of the hallway was a little door, and Charles stopped at the door and smiled at the children. The library was a large room, and it was filled with elegant wooden bookshelves and comfortable-looking sofas on which to sit and read. On one wall was a row of windows which let in more than enough light for reading, and on the other wall was a row of landscape paintings, perfect for someone's resting eye. The Baudelaire children stepped inside the room and took a good look around, but they didn't feel they didn't feel any better, not at all. Where are the books? Klaus asked. All the elegant bookshelves are empty. Oh, that's the thing what's wrong with the library, Charles admitted. Sir wouldn't give me any money to buy books. You mean there's no books at all? Violet asked. Just three, said Charles, and walked to the furthest bookshelf on the bottom shelf were three books sitting all by themselves. Without money, of course, it was difficult to acquire any books. But I did have three books to donate. Oh, but I had three books donated. 
Sir donated this book, The History of Lucky Smells Lumber Mill. The mayor of Paltryville donated this book, The Paltryville's Constitution. And here's Advanced Ocular Science, donated by Dr. Orwell, a doctor who lives in town. Charles held up the three books to show the Baudelaire's what each one looked like, and the children stared in dismay and fear. The history of Lucky Smell's lumber mill had been painted, had a painting of Sir on the cover with a cloud of smoke covering his face. The Paltryville Constitution had a photograph of the Paltryville Post Office with, with the old white shoe dangling from the flagpole in front, but it was covered with an advanced oc- ocular science that made the Baudelaire children stare. You have heard many times, I'm sure, that you should not judge a book by its cover. But just as difficult to believe that a man was not a doctor wearing a surgical mask and a white wig will turn out to be a charming person, it was difficult for the children not to believe that advanced ocular science is going to cause any was going to cause them anything but trouble. The word ocular, you might not know, means related to the eyes. But even if you don't know this, you could figure it out from the cover. For printed on the cover was an image that the children recognized. They recognized it from their own nightmares and from the personal experience. It was an image of an eye, and the Baudelaire orphans recognized it as the mark of Count Olaf. Hey, you stayed awake this time. Good job. Wow. What did you think of that chapter? Mm. Mm, Kind of like half, half sleepy, half not sleepy. Yep. Okay.